Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Two New Mums. I'm Ginny Longdon, and usually Amy Vice would be here, um, but this is a this is a re-recording of this part of the podcast. So today we're speaking to a sleep expert, uh, and usually when we have uh, experts on in interviews, we still do a bit of an intro for you. And we did that. I promise, we did that. Um, but being a new mum. Um, Things get missed and things happen and we can't be in control of everything all the time because life is busier than ever right now. So I may have deleted the intro. Um, I don't even remember doing it, which is the scary thing. I've got to have done it in my sleep. I I don't even know how how to fully delete things off my Mac, but it's gone. The intro doesn't exist. So I said to Amy, oh, we've got to re-record that intro. She swanned off, hasn't she? In true Amy Vo style, she's on a mini break right now with her family, um, basically for the air conditioning, because we're in the middle of a horrendous heat wave. And a problem like this would only really happen, wouldn't it, when you're in the middle of a horrendous heat wave and it's 32 degrees right now in my recording room. So... Um, it's it's Amy's fault as much as it is mine, is what I'm trying to say here. But we do have our chat with our amazing sleep expert, Sarah Patel. She's from teachtosleep.co.uk. Follow her on Instagram as well, at teachtosleep. Um, if you've got lots of questions about sleep, if you are a new parent, um, if you've got a child on the way, or maybe you, you had a child a while ago and you never quite figured that out. Sarah will explain a lot next and um, as always please follow us on our Instagram we are at two new mums podcast we love our chats we have with you always get involved feel free to rate and review us on Apple podcast because that really helps us and really helps other parents find us and we just appreciate you listening as always so let's get into our chat with Sarah Patel enjoy So please welcome to two new mums, someone whose advice is very much needed uh, for us and any new mum at the moment, uh, from Teach to Sleep, it's Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Pleased to be here. Thank you yeah. for being here. We need you. We do. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners do, so thank you. I've got to say, um, Sarah, you sent us like a guide when it was actually just, I think, just before we'd become parents or when we had, and the thing that really um reassured me initially was how you you said with a newborn there's no routine don't worry about getting into a routine because that was the one thing I was thinking everyone talks about sleep all the time 
And I'm just getting my head around just keeping this small child alive, let alone thinking of, <laughs> I don't even have a structural routine for my own, own life. And Jenny's quite similar. We're both a bit like that. So the thought of having to implicate anything so early on was, was a nightmare. But um, but yeah, but that, that up to newborns. So we just kind of, we're just sort of winging it. Is that right? You're just kind of letting them lead the way. Pretty much, you know, um, one thing that's really nice about the newborn stage is that you're not kind of having to go by a routine. And the thing about once they get a little bit older, it depends on temperament, but some are very much to kind of lead you into this, you know, two naps a day, roughly this time, and also very much like to have that at home. So it can be quite difficult. And the lovely thing about newborn is a bit like everyday changes. Sometimes you get really short naps, sometimes you get slightly longer. Um, there is no kind of set routine. And so it's really nice just to be able to go, okay, great, we're out about but you can sleep on me maybe you can sleep in the pram I don't have to think about what time you're going to sleep because it changes all the time and I think that that's so important to know early on because it's something that you're not necessarily given in a society we see newborn sleeping in a cot you know during the daytime you know we assume oh we're taking really long naps by themselves and it's just that's not how it is and so I think the most important thing to know is that's normal they're going through massive developmental leaps and so every day is going to look a little bit different you know, my first like newborn, newborn, like first two weeks, um, I spent 10, 11 days in hospital. So for those days, um, my son's called Bear. Bear wasn't doing much. He was, we were stuck in a room. So I feel like he slept a lot more during the day. And then when we were able to be out and he was getting fresh air and meeting like his grandparents and stuff, he definitely was having more like a longer waking window. Does that affect babies? So, so what you're describing there is the recovery sleep. And so all newborns will have it. And it's that kind of um, recovery from birth. And even though you're the one who's been through, you know, that pretty easy traumatic experience and it's incredibly exhausting, for them, it's quite similar. And it's a really big deal. And so they spend a bit of time recovering. And so for some, it's a few days. For some, usually the norm is a couple of weeks. Some is a little bit longer. Um, and sometimes it can be thought of as that, like, lulling into false sense of security because they'd be like oh you kind of just sleep all the time sleep all day and the nights are not too you know difficult and then suddenly it's a bit like oh right you are wide awake and it's kind of like welcome yeah. and suddenly right we're wide awake at night and these naps are really short and kind of like what's going on did I do something um but that was always going to happen and so again that's quite nice if you can you know know that beforehand yeah that's something I wish I'd known when I was pregnant and I think most people don't I think me and Jenny I was like oh my goodness, my baby's suddenly broken. What did I do differently? What, what, she was sleeping loads. And then all of a sudden it's just the day and night thing. That was a big transition. And, you know, even now, you know, I said on our last episode that I actually find it trickier now because she, she is awake more in the daytime. She's suddenly alert and I kind of have to entertain her. And, you know, um, I mean, this is probably jumping the gun a little bit, but you, you know, the sort of stage you're saying from newborn, and this is kind of how we've been operating. And I have, you know, going out and about, she'll just sleep when, she has to and feed when she has to it do you have to sort of move away from that could you just carry on doing that what would happen or is it better to get I guess for your sanity into a bit of a routine so there's kind of two things at play there one is there are some people who find it very frustrating not to be in a routine and so a lot of clients that I work with will they'll they kind of hope that I'm going to say right at 
one o'clock, you know, you have a nap for this time and then another nap at this time and it should last this long. And in theory, that sounds lovely because someone's just handing you this plan that you just follow. And the problem with that is most babies aren't going to follow a schedule like that. Um, And all babies are different. And so, yes, you may have some babies a similar age doing a similar kind of nap time. But the problem with somebody kind of going, this is the routine, is it's then taking away from you all of the skills you've got. Everything you know about your baby is somebody else is going, no, I know better. And and we don't. It's about kind of going, well, for your baby, they will hopefully get into a bit of a natural groove. And usually if you're following the lead of your baby, but you're doing it by things like, so you're looking at their sleepy signals, you're seeing how they are after a nap. So it's a bit like, doesn't actually matter how long that nap is, but if they take a shortish nap, maybe it's kind of 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and they wake up and they're perfectly happy, you're done. That's it. You can just move on with the rest of your day. And so that's the kind of rhythm that you'll, you'll start to get into. They may kind of lengthen those naps themselves. There are things you can do. So if you kind of get yourself into a little bit of difficulty, the nights are incredibly hard. You feel like nights are just, you know, not you're not getting any longer stretches. There's lots of things we can kind of do when we look at um, maybe what type of sleep needs has your baby got? Is it possible that actually they're getting a bit too much sleep in the day or not enough? And it's kind of just about making tweaks. But really, the routine is very much about is it suiting your baby? So, when, you know, the bodies are really clever. When they are tired, they're going to show you that they're tired. And, and usually what I find happens is that um, parents will come to me because they followed a kind of a a schedule a generic one and so I work really hard to get this long lunchtime nap because everyone says a long lunchtime nap should be kind of two hours and and nighttime is just so much worse they're waking up more frequently and that's because they weren't ready to have a two-hour nap you know that schedule Mm. is not for them and actually babies are very clever at kind of going I'm awake now I'm done with sleep I don't don't need you to rock me back to sleep or spend a long time in a bedroom in darkness with you patting me to fall asleep I don't need to know how to fall asleep by myself I just need to be supported when I'm tired Um, and those are the things that kind of you know make a really big difference. Would you say that there is an age where they should be in a bit of a routine where you know this is when they have their nap and when because like Amy and I were about three months now and it feels like a lot changes and happens at three months and it feels like they're, they're sort of getting in more of a rhythm for sure but is there an age when you think actually now you should have a routine and if so what age is that? So there isn't an age there are things that happen at certain ages um and some babies um without terrifying anybody can get up to you know well past a year and still not have a routine and you can try all sorts of things but they're just those kind of babies they're a bit like one day i'm going to do a two hour nap the next day i'm going to do half an hour and you kind of just got to deal with it there are others who you can kind of like you know go we're going to try a nap around this time and see what that happens and you might have a loose routine but the things that tend to kind of make a difference at ages so you've got potentially the four-month progression coming so that may well change sleep once you're over that turtle or you may not go through it at all is that around six to eight months there's a neurological development and what people tend to see is their babies start to lengthen their naps so without you really having to do anything there are a few things you can do but actually they tend to do that themselves and once they lengthen those naps and they start dropping down to naps. So when you're on like, you know, three, two naps, then you're generally in a really kind of easy routine because you can kind of go, I know roughly you have around about two naps, 
total sleep time is around about this much and that's when things get a bit easier in terms of just certainty and you can kind of go um you know I know that bedtime's around about this time um rather than thinking kind of set times or thinking we missed the 10 o'clock nap it's a bit like well actually sometimes that 10 o'clock nap is going to be 11 but at least you've got an idea of how many naps are going to happen and roughly what sort of total daytime sleep you're looking at and that's what's important about looking at your own baby because some will have a huge amount of sleep in the daytime and they need it and some will have a lot less so you might have a baby you know who's sleeping kind of three four hours in the day but you have a lot of babies who are kind of doing an hour and they're fine with that and it's about kind of just going well actually that's the the right amount of sleep for my baby Mm. so if if you were at a stage where you thought right I want to get into a routine is it best to sort of work around like you say what you know that the baby is sort of sleeping and kind of mold it around that as opposed to going right one between one and three I want you to sleep and is, is that basically how you go about it yeah it's much easier to create a routine around what your baby needs because if you try to say right for your age you should be able to stay awake for three hours or two hours um, and then you try for a nap and they're not tired what will happen is you'll take a very long time to get them to sleep so they'll probably you know they'll fall asleep but it'll take a while um or what can happen is that they don't really need a nap and you're kind of forcing it um it can be a very short nap because their sleep pressure has actually risen enough. Mm. Um, So it's not a huge problem. You can't kind of damage sleep, but usually the easiest sleep comes with just following their cues um, and creating routines around um, when they need to sleep. The the four-month thing you just mentioned previously, without terrifying us, can you just explain a little bit about that? Because Amy and I have this like Wonder Weeks app, which has shown us at four months something is coming and it's yeah. when Amy's on holiday and she is not looking forward I'm to I'm looking to cancel. <laughs> so what happens? So what one thing, just a word of like, you know, I suppose, you know, the Wonder Weeks, it isn't based on a huge amount of research. And what tends to happen is people kind of go, oh yeah, my baby fits into that. Because yeah, they all have days when they're not feeling great or moments. And you look at that and you're like, oh, right, they're fussing. That's because the clouds here. So if it helps you, great. But most of the time, what it actually does, it just makes you dread weeks. Um, So personally, I would just kind of ditch that. But so the four month progression is the biggie because it's when there's a change in um, how the sleep cycles, the structure of a sleep cycle. So at the moment, your baby will be going to light sleep and then they'll be going, sorry, they'll be going to deep sleep straight away. Now what's going to happen is their sleep cycle is going to be a bit more like ours and they'll go into a light stage of sleep and then deep. Now, there are a lot of babies who don't notice any difference. And so it will all come down to temperament. There's there's nothing you can do about it. It's kind of already decided, if you like, how they'll cope with that. Some will find it really hard and some will just be like, I didn't notice anything. If your baby finds it hard and you're going through it, it's going to be pretty obvious because you will see changes like, oh, naps are suddenly really hard. Um, Suddenly they just don't seem quite as happy or their usual selves um, and nights are harder. Um, And if you're lucky, it's a couple of weeks of hard sleep. If you're unlucky, it's a kind of, you know, six to eight weeks of things being pretty tricky. And if you are one of those where it's difficult, it's about kind of going, okay, I can't fix this because it is kind of supposed to be what's happening. But what I can do is I can look at how can I kind of protect my sleep? Is there any way uh, we can look at kind of if you've got a partner tag teaming, um, having a lion, going to bed early, looking at safe bed sharing, all of those kind of things. It's the time where you just go, 
this is hard. Um, so what help can I get? Um, it's not the time when you kind of think, right, I've got to teach you to fall asleep by yourself. I've got to like kind of remove the feed to sleep or remove anything that's helping sleep because your baby will be going through a tough time if they're feeling that. And so really it's actually just about giving them more support and going, yeah, this is going to be a bit tricky. But once we come through the other side, um, that's when sleep will get easier. You're dropping naps um, and things should get a little bit more predictable and consistent. So you get through it and it's great. <laughs> we'll be fine. Uh, so as expected, we had so many questions in Sarah. So we'll go through some of these because I think this will tick off a lot of the things that we wondered as well. Um, one of the biggies that came in, should I wake a baby for a night feed? So is this if you're trying to, I've never had to do this. I know you have Jenny with you, with, with yeah. fossil feeding. Yeah. I, I had this because Bear, we've been, he, lucky so far, he sleeps. He's always slept really well. He sleeps through now. Um, but at first when we got him back from the hospital, because he had issues with feeding because he's got a cleft lip, um, we had to keep his weight up and keep giving him like timed feeds more than feeding on demand. So I was like waking him in the middle of the night at say 3am to feed him, which just felt wild. And even now, because it's like hot weather, he will sleep now from about 10pm till about 6am. And I'm thinking, should I wake him? Cause I don't want him to get dehydrated, but it does feel wild to wake a sleeping baby. Yeah. And I think we another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your kind of point has disproved it is that if you feel that you should wake a baby, so if you're worried about weight or, or kind of feeding or anything like that, it's always much better just to wake them because you can't ruin sleep. You can't kind of that that is going to kind of progress as it should. And so it's much better to, to kind of, you know, feel that your baby is OK, to trust your instincts. If you're worried about them, it's always better to try for a feed. Um, I can't tell you whether your baby is going to need a feed. All I can say is that from a sleep perspective, it's not a problem to wake up your baby. Oh, that's good to know. Um, Katie says, if exclusively pumping milk, how much should my baby drink to ensure they sleep through the night? So... <laughs> Well, that's one of those things is, is there's no answer for that. And that's because one, um, you know, yes, sleeping through the night is, is partly to do with hunger, but a lot of babies will feed, whether it's bottle or breast, just for comfort. And that's normal. And we would expect that. And so it's not about kind of amounts. There is no magic formula um, that's going to say if you have this amount of milk, you'll be able to sleep through. Oh, OK. That, I, I did not know that. Um, Liv says, why does my baby sleep at night, but not in the day? And I guess this works both ways, doesn't it? So often babies have a bit of a preference. There's one that they find easier, you know, and so um, those is usually the other way around. And so usually they find nighttime's difficult and daytime napping is slightly easier, especially if they're going to be kind of napping on you or on the go in the pram. Um, sometimes people say things like, um, you know, the nights they, they can sleep, but they, they struggle with the daytime. And I'm always interested to think about actually, are they struggling in the daytime or is it expectations? So maybe you think that they struggle 
struggle because you're looking at naps and you're going, oh, they've had three 30 minute naps when actually that's probably exactly what they needed, which is why they're sleeping kind of easily at night. And so if nighttime sleep is going well, I very rarely question what's going in the daytime because it clearly mm. kind of suits them. But it's one of those things you can't have it all. Very few babies. I mean, my daughter actually was one of these who, who needed a lot of sleep. And actually people think, oh, that's lovely. You know, you've got long naps in the daytime and you've got quite long stretches at night. But what it usually means is you've got a baby who's incredibly high needs. And so if you miss that nap or that nap is cut short, you know about it. The rest of the day is going to be you know, pretty upsetting. Whereas if you've got a baby who needs less, they tend to be pretty easy going. It's not a big deal if they've missed a nap. If the naps are short or they go to bed later, they're absolutely fine. Um, and so, you know, it's often um, a case of kind of going, this is what I've got and working with that. Well, that leads quite nicely onto this, which um, we were both wondering as well, actually. Sarah says, does sleep actually promote sleep? Yeah, people love that. The sleep breeds sleep. And so, you know, there's there's a slight bit of truth in that. So, you know, um, naps have a big impact on the night. And the research shows that naps have one of the biggest the biggest things that you can do to kind of get good sleep at night. Um, but there's only so much sleep you can have. And that's where sometimes people kind of have unrealistic expectations mm. because maybe their baby is actually taking quite a lot of sleep at nighttime. So newborns, you're only expecting around nine hours of broken sleep. Um, and so then, you know, in terms of what you're going to get during the daytime is going to be you know, a few hours. But sometimes people are expecting. Right. So now they've gone up to 12 hours at night and I'm still wanting kind of three, four hours in a day. Most babies aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the time. So on my Instagram account, I've got a lot of things that look at kind of sleep totals for each range. And you just got an idea of kind of this is the rough idea for your baby's age range of what you're looking at. And it's always best to look at in 24 hours because then you can go, all oh, right, OK, so my baby has that at nighttime and they have that during the day. And that's what suits them. But if you see actually they're getting a lot of their sleep is in the it's in the kind of daytime and actually you know night times are pretty hard sometimes it's a case of going well actually they're getting too much sleep in the day and so it's a case of kind of pushing that onto the night um but it's you know that, that's why there are lots of things that you can do in terms of kind of routine and tweaking things rather than doing things like leaving a baby to cry it's actually just going well actually we're going to create routines around um their particular sleep needs are there things that like with that can tire out a baby like for example today I had him in the paddling pool and then he had a really big nap and I was like I think he was so like his senses were so over the top that I tied him out is that a thing yeah absolutely so like we do things like swimming lessons anything like that's activity level is you know quite up there water often that will tire a baby out and so we don't really think we don't really think about that in terms of babies and so um that can really change you know from day to day so if you're having a day where you're not doing so much it's good to just kind of go well actually I'm not expecting you to need a nap as early on or need as much sleep um and it's good to have that kind of information because then you can change your expectations does fresh air do it as well? Like if you take them on a walk or like I know for sit bear in the garden, he falls asleep. Does that tire them out? So fresh air is really good for the circadian rhythm and the body clock and kind of regulating it. Um, and often it, it kind of promotes sleep. It won't kind of knock them out. But a lot of people will say actually on holiday, we get the best sleep. And normally it's because you're out and about a lot more. Um, and fresh air can definitely help in terms of sleep. That bodes well for the holiday. It's back on. Yeah. Um <laughs> um alana alana says my five-month-old will only nap for maximum of 30 minutes at a time how can i lengthen 
Yeah, so classic. So that is the 30 minute nap because that's what they need to take. But if what happens is your five month old is taking a 30 minute nap, they wake up and they're really upset. So maybe you fed them or you've cuddled them and kind of 30 minutes later, they're still upset. Um, that may indicate they need a longer nap. And in which case, look at thinking about how you can lengthen that nap. So is it that they could stay awake for a bit longer so the sleep pressure is a bit higher or are they going to have a nap and actually they're overtired? Um, or is it that maybe you're putting them down for a nap, but if you had a, nap, a contact nap on you or in the pram, a motion nap, then that nap is going to be longer and then they'd wake up happier. So first of all, just question, do they need a longer nap? If they do, then see what you can do to kind of increase the length and then look at the knock-on effect. Do you notice the nights get better, the days are easier? So with that as well, because I was just thinking in the daytime when I put Eden down, well, I don't really put her down much. If I put her down, she'll only sleep for a very short time and then she wakes up and she hates it. So when it, how do you get to that point? I feel like you see on TV or other people on Instagram where they put their babies like upstairs for a nap for two hours or something. Is that, is that been built up to? I'm like, how does anyone do that? She'll sleep on me, but she knows when I'm putting her down. So one thing about putting babies down is from a safety perspective, you're only looking really to do that from six months. Okay. And that's because you, you want to keep a really close eye on your baby. Yeah. Um, and so maybe from six months, you might start to go, right, I'm going to I'm going to put a bit of effort into this. Um, you know, I'm going to have the spare space set up. I'm going to um, kind of plan out their naps for the day. Um, and what you might do is you kind of go, OK, so they're sleeping by themselves. Therefore, they're probably going to wake up after 30 minutes. And so you can either kind of go in around 20, 25 minutes and you kind of coax them. So you might stroke them depending on what kind of sleepers they are. Um, and then what you're doing is you're trying to settle them back into the next sleep cycle. And so you might be shushing them. You might even kind of feed them and then put them back down. Um, Or you kind of um, would be thinking about, right, rather than going straight to a cot nap, I'm just going to be thinking about having a pram nap and and kind of walking for for 40 minutes or maybe stopping after 20 and then walking again and going, right, that's lengthening the nap. They get used to having a longer nap. Um, But often around the six to eight months, they do that themselves. So unless you're kind of really keen to to practice that and that's something that you're going to get a lot of enjoyment out of, you you just don't need to do it. Um, My son for a long time would kind of go 30 minutes, wake up, be pretty miserable. I could tell that he wanted to go back to sleep and I would just kind of walk him around downstairs and then I would like half an hour later feed him, put him back in his cot. And I I felt a bit like a mad woman because you kind of just think I I keep putting you in your cot. But actually, you know, a month or two of that and he just did it himself. And that for me was preferable because my daughter was around. I didn't want to spend a long time in his cot kind of trying to lengthen that nap. And so with these things, it's not like you miss the boat or you have to be doing something to kind of sort sleep, if you like. Is that what you were talking about with your son? Is that like the self-soothing that they do where they, they wake up and they take the themselves back off so with my son it was that he was waking and he kind of couldn't get into that next sleep cycle so then I would feed him again and put him down and so that would get him into the next sleep cycle for him in terms of so there's like a big kind of myth around the self-soothe so basically when people use the term self-soothe we're talking because it's soothing we're talking about going from being very upset to calming down which babies can't do but a lot of people who kind of do sleep training or recommend things like cry out will talk about this because they believe that if you leave a baby to cry they'll learn how to kind of calm themselves 
I'm not about that. And I, you know, for me, that doesn't make any sense because actually when you're teaching a baby, you're helping a baby, it's, you need someone there with love and comfort to learn something. Um, But also they're not able, my my kind of, you know, four-year-old would struggle to get herself upset and then to calm herself down. And so a lot of the time, what we're really talking about is things like self-settling. So maybe your your baby wakes up mid-cycle and maybe they suck on their hand or they suck their finger, their thumb, a bit of a comforter and they or even just roll around and they go back to sleep. And that's when they're able to kind of get back into the next sleep cycle. And so some are more prone to that. They're kind of this, these self settlers or self soothers, um, whereas others, we we know them as signalers. And so they're just not able to do that. And they're the ones who wake up very frequently in the night. Um, And so it's not that you're doing anything wrong, but you probably already know if you've got a signaler, um, there's no point in waiting that minute or two. So some babies who can settle themselves, it's always, you know, it's kind of worth you listen out. Can you hear them making any noises? Can you, you it's at that moment in the night when you're thinking, come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it. And it's worth waiting. Whereas the others you go, right, you're awake. I know you're not going to be able to do this. It's much better to go straight in with a feed or a cuddle or whatever it is you do, because then you're going to avoid them being wide awake, getting really upset. And then it takes a much longer time to get them back to sleep. Great. Okay. Um, Emma says, do you have to wait exactly six months till you put them in their own room? So um, it's not recommended that you do that before six months. Um, America actually recommend that you you try and keep them in your room until 12 months. And so, you know, from six months, it's really just about your preference. There's no kind of right or wrong. Some people will choose to keep their babies much longer because it's easier for feeding and settling. Um, Others kind of say things like we're we're disturbing each other. And so they are going to sleep better in their room or I want them to be in their own room. Um, My advice would be to wait until sleep's kind of relatively consistent and fairly easy just because actually getting out of your bed and going into another room makes quite a big difference and it's not something that's going to just suddenly improve sleep I'm glad you said that because when I thought six months that's not far off and I've sort of just got into like a bit of a routine with each other and I thought I don't want her to be she's so small in a little room on her own um, well a lot I'll, I'll of most of the re- four-year-old in my bed or something why not <laughs> <laughs> they say a lot of about being together is the co-regulation and actually it's one of the best things that you can do in terms of sleep because you immediately kind of you, you get into this rhythm that means that your sleep is actually better whereas mm. once they're out of the room you're kind of doing that thing where you're listening as well and it's quite mm. hard to get back into a deep sleep yeah I, I know for a fact if I was to move I wouldn't want to but if I was to move back to another room I wouldn't sleep a wink. I just wouldn't relax. Yeah, I think that'd be up more. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't yeah. help me at all. At least so they're a bit bigger. Yeah. Um, and Lou says, final question. Do mobiles distract babies from sleeping? Now, presumably she means the things above your head, not a phone, because it's <laughs> weird if your baby's got a phone. I'm really glad you said that because I actually was thinking about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of people have a hang up about this. So basically they can be quite stimulating. Um, ideally, you haven't got one that's got any kind of um, lights on. Um, but for, for me, I quite like them because I often, you know, you can kind of spin them around before sleep. And when they're at that stage where they kind of go in their cot and they're awake, it can be something that kind of calms them. And babies might quite, you know, look at them. But some babies, it can be a bit like, oh, it's party time. So there's something there. It's like a toy and a play with it. And so it's one of those things, like a lot of things, just see what your baby's like. If you notice that that makes a difference, they're suddenly interested in it and they want to play with it. And, um, you know, maybe don't have it around for kind of nap time or maybe just remove it. Well, I feel like I've learned a lot. Yeah. Oh, good. I mean, we could we could talk for hours. I still, yeah, the whole getting into a routine, all of it. I, I think what it all comes down to, 
and we've been told this before is you know you are dealing with just a new human being aren't you and you kind of want to you keep thinking you need to put them in all these routines but we don't sleep the same every night do we and so I guess you've just got to kind of go with it and treat them as a human Uh, and the fact that they're going through massive developmental leaps you know this is what they're doing all the time so for us our sleep changes but we're not really having huge changes and so for them it's about those kind of going yeah you're in a good phase enjoy it and when it changes you just ride yourself through it you haven't done anything wrong it's what is supposed to happen and you'll get back to a good phase amazing so um Sarah if there is anyone that is desperately need your help where can they find you um, so best places are Instagram, so at Teach to Sleep, um, or on my website, uh, teachtosleep.co.uk. Um, and I also do kind of Q&As on my stories each week. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. Invaluable. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. Enjoy the heat wave. You too. <laughs> <laughs>